section forty five of curiosities of literature volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. curiosities of literature volume three by isaac disraeli buildings in the metropolis and residents in the country recently more than one of our learned judges from the bench have perhaps astonished their auditors by impressing them with an old-fashioned notion of residing more on their estates than the fashionable modes of life and the esprit de société now overpowering all other esprits will ever admit these opinions excited my attention to a curious circumstance in the history of our manners the great anxiety of our government from the days of elizabeth till much later than those of charles the second to preserve the kingdom from the evils of an overgrown metropolis the people themselves indeed participated in the same alarm at the growth of the city while however they themselves were perpetuating the grievance which they complained of it is amusing to observe that although the government was frequently employing even their most forcible acts to restrict the limits of the metropolis the suburbs were gradually incorporating with the city and westminster at length united itself to london since that happy marriage their fertile progenies have so blended together that little londons are no longer distinguishable from the ancient parent we have succeeded in spreading the capital into a county and have verified the prediction of james i that england will shortly be london and london england i think it a great object said justice best in delivering his sentiments in favour of the game laws that gentlemen should have a temptation to reside in the country amongst their neighbours and tenantry whose interests must be materially advanced by such a circumstance the links of society are thereby better preserved and the mutual advantages and dependence of the higher and lower classes on one another are better maintained the baneful effects of our present system we have lately seen in a neighbouring country and an ingenious french writer has lately shown the ill consequences of it on the continent these sentiments of a living luminary of the law afford some reason of policy for the dread which our government long entertained on account of the perpetual growth of the metropolis the nation like a hypochondriac was ludicrously terrified that their head was too monstrous for their body and that it drew all the moisture of life from the middle and the extremities proclamations warned and exhorted but the very interference of a royal prohibition seemed to render the crowded city more charming in vain the statute against new buildings was passed by elizabeth in vain during the reigns of james i and both the charleses we find proclamations continually issuing to forbid new erections james was apt to throw out his opinions in these frequent addresses to the people who never attended to them his majesty notices 
those swarms of gentry who through the instigation of their wives or to new model and fashion their daughters who if they were unmarried marred their reputations and if married lost them did neglect their country hospitality and cumber the city a general nuisance to the kingdom he addressed the star chamber to regulate the exorbitancy of the new buildings about the city which were but a shelter for those who when they had spent their estates in coaches lackeys and fine clothes like frenchmen lived miserably in their houses like italians but the honour of the english nobility and gentry is to be hospitable among their tenants once conversing on this subject the monarch threw out that happy illustration which has been more than once noticed that gentlemen resident on their estates were like ships in port their value and magnitude were felt and acknowledged but when at a distance as their size seemed insignificant so their worth and importance were not duly estimated Footnote a proclamation was issued in the first year of king james commanding gentlemen to depart the court and city because it hinders hospitality and endangers the people near their own residences who had from such houses much comfort and ease toward their living the king graciously says he took no small contentment in the resort of gentlemen and other our subjects coming to visit us holding their affectionate desire to see our person to be a certain testimony of their inward love but he says he must not give way to so great a mischief as the continual resort may breed and that therefore all that have no special cause of attendance must at once go back until the time of his coronation when they may return until the solemnity be passed but only for that time for if the proclamation be slighted he shall make them an example of contempt if we shall find any making stay here contrary to this direction such proclamations were from time to time issued and though sometimes evaded were frequently enforced by fines so that living in london was a risk and danger to country gentlemen of fortune End of footnote. a manuscript writer of the times complains of the breaking up of old family establishments all crowding to upstart london every one strives to be a diogenes in his house and an emperor in the streets not caring if they sleep in a tub so they may be hurried in a coach giving that allowance to horses and mares that formerly maintained houses full of men pinching many a belly to paint a few backs and bearing all the treasures of the kingdom into a few citizens coffers their woods into wardrobes their leases into laces and their goods and chattels into guarded coats and gaudy toys such is the representation of an eloquent contemporary and however contracted might have been his knowledge of the principles of political economy and of that prosperity which a wealthy nation is said to derive from its consumption of articles of luxury the moral effects have not altered nor has the scene in reality greatly changed 
the government not only frequently forbade new buildings within ten miles of london but sometimes ordered them to be pulled down after they had been erected for several years every six or seven years proclamations were issued in charles the first's reign offenders were sharply prosecuted by a combined operation not only against houses but against persons many of the nobility and gentry in sixteen thirty two were informed against for having resided in the city contrary to the late proclamation and the attorney-general was then fully occupied in filing bills of indictment against them as well as ladies for staying in town the following curious information in the star-chamber will serve our purpose the attorney-general informs his majesty that both elizabeth and james by several proclamations had commanded that persons of livelihood and means should reside in their counties and not abide or sojourn in the city of london so that counties remain unserved these proclamations were renewed by charles i who had observed a greater number of nobility and gentry and abler sort of people with their families had resorted to the cities of london and westminster residing there contrary to the ancient usage of the english nation by their abiding in their several counties where their means arise they would not only have served his majesty according to their ranks but by their housekeeping in those parts the meaner sort of people formerly were guided directed and relieved he accuses them of wasting their estates in the metropolis which would employ and relieve the common people in their several counties the loose and disorderly people that follow them living in and about the cities are so numerous that they are not easily governed by the ordinary magistrates mendicants increase in great numbers the prices of all commodities are highly raised etc the king had formerly proclaimed that all ranks who were not connected with public offices at the close of forty days notice should resort to their several counties and with their families continue their residence there and his majesty further warned them not to put themselves to unnecessary charge in providing themselves to return in winter to the said cities as it was the king's firm resolution to withstand such great and growing evil the information concludes with a most copious list of offenders among whom are a great number of nobility and ladies and gentlemen who were accused of having lived in london for several months after the given warning of forty days it appears that most of them to elude the grasp of the law had contrived to make a show of quitting the metropolis and after a short absence had again returned and thus the service of your majesty and your people in the several counties have been neglected and undone such is the substance of this curious information which enables us at least to collect the ostensible motives of this singular prohibition proclamations had hitherto been considered little more than the news of the morning and three days afterwards were as much read as the last week's newspapers they were now however resolved to stretch forth 
the strong arm of law and to terrify by an example the constables were commanded to bring in a list of the names of strangers and the time they proposed to fix their residence in their parishes a remarkable victim on this occasion was a mr palmer a sussex gentleman who was brought ore tenus into the star chamber for disobeying the proclamation for living in the country palmer was a squire of one thousand pounds per annum then a considerable income he appears to have been some rich bachelor for in his defence he alleged that he had never been married never was a housekeeper and had no house fitting for a man of his birth to reside in as his mansion in the country had been burnt down within two years these reasons appeared to his judges to aggravate rather than extenuate his offence and after a long reprimand for having deserted his tenants and neighbours they heavily fined him in one thousand pounds the condemnation of this sussex gentleman struck a terror through a wide circle of sojourners in the metropolis i find accounts pathetic enough of their packing away on all sides for fear of the worst and gentlemen grumbling that they should be confined to their houses and this was sometimes backed too by a second proclamation respecting their wives and families and also widows which was duris sermo to the women it is nothing pleasing to all says the letter-writer but least of all to the women to encourage gentlemen to live more willingly in the country says another letter-writer all game-fowl as pheasants partridges ducks as also hares are this day by proclamation forbidden to be dressed or eaten in any inn here we find realized the argument of mr justice best in favour of the game laws it is evident that this severe restriction must have produced great inconvenience to certain persons who found a residence in london necessary for their pursuits this appears from the manuscript diary of an honest antiquary sir simon's dues he has preserved an opinion which no doubt was spreading fast that such prosecutions of the attorney-general were a violation of the liberty of the subject most men wondered at mr noy the attorney-general being accounted a great lawyer that so strictly took away men's liberties at one blow confining them to reside at their own houses and not permitting them freedom to live where they pleased within the king's dominions i was myself a little startled upon the first coming out of the proclamation but having first spoken with the lord coventry lord keeper of the great seal at islington when i visited him and afterwards with sir william jones one of the king's justices of the bench about my condition and residence at the said town of islington and they both agreeing that i was not within the letter of the proclamation nor the intention of it neither i rested satisfied and thought myself secure laying in all my provisions for housekeeping for the year ensuing and never imagined myself to be in danger till this unexpected censure of mr palmer passed in the star chamber 
so having advised with my friends i resolved for a remove being much troubled not only with my separation from records but with my wife being great with child fearing a winter journey might be dangerous to her he left islington and the records in the tower to return to his country seat to the great disturbance of his studies it is perhaps difficult to assign the cause of this marked anxiety of the government for the severe restriction of the limits of the metropolis and the prosecution of the nobility and gentry to compel a residence on their estates whatever were the motives they were not peculiar to the existing sovereign but remained transmitted from cabinet to cabinet and were even renewed under charles the second at a time when the plague often broke out a close and growing metropolis might have been considered to be a great evil a terror expressed by the manuscript writer before quoted complaining of this deluge of building that we shall be all poisoned with breathing in one another's faces the police of the metropolis was long imbecile notwithstanding their strong watches and guards set at times and bodies of the idle and the refractory often assumed some mysterious title and were with difficulty governed we may conceive the state of the police when london apprentices growing in number and insolence frequently made attempts on bridewell or pulled down houses one day the citizens improving some ordnance terrified the whole court of james i with a panic that there was a rising in the city it is possible that the government might have been induced to pursue this singular conduct for i do not know that it can be paralleled of pulling down new-built houses by some principle of political economy which remains to be explained or ridiculed by our modern adepts it would hardly be supposed that the present subject may be enlivened by a poem the elegance and freedom of which may even now be admired it is a great literary curiosity and its length may be excused for several remarkable points an ode by sir richard fanshawe upon occasion of his majesty's proclamation in the year sixteen thirty commanding the gentry to reside upon their estates in the country now war is all the world about and everywhere erinyes reigns or of the torch so late put out the stench remains holland for many years hath been of christian tragedies the stage yet seldom hath she played a scene of bloodier rage and france that was not long composed with civil drums again resounds and ere the old are fully closed receives the wounds the great gustavus in the west plucks the imperial eagle's wing than whom the earth did ne'er invest a fiercer king only the island which we sow a world without the world so far from present wounds it cannot show an ancient scar white peace the beautifulest of things seems here her everlasting rest to fix and spread the downy wings over the nest 
as when great jove usurping reign from the plagued world did her exile and tied her with a golden chain to one blest isle which in a sea of plenty swam and turtles sang on every bough a safe retreat to all that came as ours is now yet we as if some foe were here leave the despised fields to clowns and come to save ourselves as twere in walled towns hither we bring wives babes rich clothes and gems till now my sovereign the growing evil doth oppose counting in vain his care preserves us from annoy of enemies his realms to invade unless he force us to enjoy the peace he made to roll themselves in envied leisure he therefore sends the landed heirs whilst he proclaims not his own pleasure so much was theirs the sap and blood of the land which fled into the root and choked the heart are bid their quickening power to spread through every part oh twas an act not for my muse to celebrate nor the dull age until the country air infuse a purer rage and if the fields as thankful prove for benefits received as seed they will to quite so great a love a virgil breed nor let the gentry grudge to go into those places whence they grew but think them blessed they may do so who would pursue the smoky glory of the town that may go till his native earth and by the shining fire sit down of his own hearth free from the griping scrivener's bands and the more biting mercer's books free from the bait of oiled hands and painted looks the country too even chops for rain you that exhale it by your power let the fat drops fall down again in a full shower and you bright beauties of the time that waste yourselves here in a blaze fix to your orb and proper clime your wandering rays let no dark corner of the land be unembellished with one gem and those which here too thick to stand sprinkle on them believe me ladies you will find in that sweet light more solid joys more true contentment to the mind than all town toys nor cupid there less blood doth spill but heads his shafts with chaster love not feathered with a sparrow's quill but of a dove there you shall hear the nightingale the harmless siren of the wood how prettily she tells a tale of rape and blood the lyric lark with all beside of nature's feathered choir and all the commonwealth of flowers inst pride behold you shall the lily queen the royal rose the gilly flower prince of the blood the courtier tulip gay enclosed the regal bud the violet purple senator how they do mock the pomp of state and all that at the surly door of great ones wait plant trees you may and see them shoot up with your children to be served to your clean boards and the fairest fruit to be preserved and learn to use their several gums tis innocence in the sweet blood of cherry apricots and plums to be imbrued End of section forty five